Good morning. Well, if, uh, if you're just joining us for the first time and we've not met, my name is Nathan, and uh, I stand before you COVID negative this morning, but something positive, because I got, I, did you know the common cold still exists? I know, it's crazy. I, I thought that went away, and that every symptom was COVID now. So anyway, bear with me this morning. Um, Well, last week, we talked about an idea, um, really a resolution as a church for 2022. And that resolution was, it was real simple. It was to pursue people, to pursue people. Because when you look through the pages of scripture and as you think about what our heavenly father's heart for, heart is for the world, it is, it is the pursuit of all humanity. And so we are actually today beginning a series through one of the Gospels of Jesus Christ through the book of Mark. And uh, to start there, um, I actually want to start at, like, no kidding, right at the very, very beginning. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have one, it'll be up on the screen here, but follow along with me. This is the first eight verses of Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, Come back to verse 1 with me for a minute. Read that again. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And I have a question for you. When you think about the idea of pursuing people, that is, when you think about those names of neighbors and classmates and coworkers and relatives and, and everybody else that you encounter on a weekly basis, when you think about walking out of these, out of these doors and going to them, where would you start? Uh, where would you start? If you wanted to give them good news, where would you begin? Because this is, this is an actual practical question we have to be able to ask ourselves. I mean, it's easy, it's easy to come on Sunday morning and maybe think theologically and, and think about, uh, we think in the world of scripture and we read it, but, but I think for too much of my life, I've gone out the doors and there's been a disconnect between what we've discussed here on a Sunday or what I get out of the pages of Scripture, even on my own time, and how that relates to the pursuit of people. There's a disconnect, and where do we begin? Now, I know some would say, and for much of my life, people would say, well, we'd begin with ourselves. And I get it. That's a natural starting point. You know, when we go to, we encounter somebody new, and we want to just convey information or convey something that could be life-changing to them, it's natural to start with ourselves, isn't it? And so what do we do? We put our best foot forward, which works until it doesn't work, right? Because somebody's going to break down. Either we're going to break down or, or something's going to break down on the other end. 
You know, it's so easy to go to people. And, and I, I read this quote, this, this person who said, well, I, I love people. Um, and I love the idea of going to people. It's just that people kind of get in the way of that. You ever felt like that? Where it's like, yeah, I love the idea of pursuing people. I love the idea of going to people. But then you get to them and you run into some issues and you run into some difficulties. And it can get real, real hard. And things will come up that we, I didn't imagine that. When my heart was for going to people, for giving people the good news of Jesus Christ, I didn't think I was going to have to deal with that. And I didn't think I was going to have to run into that. Some of you are pointing at other people right now. Um, don't do that, okay? But it, it's, it's very easy to go, yeah, yeah, did he really mean dealing with that? Well, that's not where the good news of Jesus Christ begins. I mean, sure, it becomes part of it. But, but it doesn't begin with us. And you ask, well, where does it begin then? I mean, could it begin with a, a mission statement? I mean, for years and years and years, we had the words above these stage, this stage, love God, love others. Maybe that's where it begins. Now, it was before that. You know, we've got these, these words outside our sanctuary, or when, when you come in here, connect with Jesus, connect with people, connect people with Jesus. And that is the mission that this church um, just, w- we hold to, but that's not where it begins. Where does it begin? You could, you could dive into Scripture. There's this monumental thing that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, this gospel that I preached to you, by this you are saved. And it's one of those, you know, there are just certain verses that are just, they're huge mountaintops of scripture. And you think maybe, did it begin there? Didn't begin there. Maybe the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up in front of a crowd And he said, you know, the one that you guys crucified, God has made him the Messiah for the salvation of all people. Maybe it began there. No, didn't begin there. And you think, well, surely, surely it began the day that the cross took place, that Jesus was crucified. And and that is a pivotal, it is the pivotal moment in all of human history. But the good news of Jesus Christ for people, actually didn't begin there. I mean, it's the crux of it, but it is not where it began. And so you wonder, maybe, maybe if we go into the Old Testament, you know, Isaiah is often referred to as the gospel within the Old Testament. You get to Isaiah, and you realize that Isaiah is just, he is passing along words that he's been given from beyond him. Didn't begin there. And some people point at Genesis chapter 3. Where God says, look, the serpent will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, but the seed of the woman will crush his head. And some people point there and say that's the first occurrence of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it actually didn't even begin there. You see, this is important for us to realize because if if you get the starting point wrong, then, then it breaks down along the way. But there's a clue in the next couple of verses of Mark. Listen, listen again and read again. Mark chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now, when you read that, you, you think of John the Baptist as the messenger. And you think of Isaiah and Malachi where these, these statements came from. But who's actually saying them? 
I mean, whose voice is this? It's coming through, through the mouths of people, but who's actually saying it? The Heavenly Father. Our Father made this statement. And the reason he made this statement is because it's the overflow of his heart. That before there was time, before any of it, the beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it flowed from the heart of the Heavenly Father. See, he's a father who looked at you and I, and he had a decision to make. Remember, we talked about this last week. He knew that there'd be sin, but he knew that how much he valued us. Remember, our sin is terrible, and we are valuable. And so, in his heart, he had to make a decision. Uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta make this right. And somebody's gotta pay a price. And so, he decided to. He decided to. He made a decision in his heart. Before scripture was ever written, from the heart of the Heavenly Father, he said, I have good news. I have good news. I'm going to take that on. I'm going to give to you good news. Yeah, yeah you, if you have little kids, you, you've no doubt run into this dynamic. See, all, all you have to do to remind yourself of this fact is, is get back to small, chi- small children thinking. Have, have you played that game where they walk up and they say, where did such and such come from? The most uncomfortable one you're thinking of right now. Where, where do babies come from? And, and you know, you... You kind of stumble around and, and finally figure out to say, from mommies and daddies. Okay, but, but how? Like, where did they come from? And, and if you're thinking on your feet and, and you've paid attention to cartoons when you were younger, it's, it's, you tell them a stork showed up on the front porch, remember? And, and you, were, you were in this little, this bag. Okay, but where did that come from is usually what you get. Well, there's a factory, and storks work there, and, and, and they assemble everything. And Okay, but where did that come from? I mean, have you played this game? And so you explain, you know, it's, it's dirt and cement and all this stuff and mortar to make the factory. Yeah, but where did that come from? And if you just keep going back and keep going back and keep going back, eventually you get to a place where our only answer to where did that come from, is either people don't know or it's the heart of our Heavenly Father. The heart of our Heavenly Father. Now, that's one beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. But see, our God is so intricate and he's so complex and he's so brilliant that that he can work a few different beginnings together to present the good news to people. See, there's another beginning I want to show you as we go through the beginning of Mark here. Come back to uh, verse 4. Read this. And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And so right now you've got this focus is on John the Baptist. Look at all the attention. So many people are looking at him and they're looking at this change in their lives and they're, they're aimed at and they're pointed at John the Baptist. And for good reason. Look at the description in verse 6. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt all around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And while we look at this and we think, gosh, this guy's so strange. 
I mean, did he, did he just need attention? Was he just, just a different ilk? Did he just come from a different place? But see, there's, there's something, there's a contrast being held up here. See, John, the way he dressed and where he came from was a total contrast to what the people were used to, with the Pharisees and their flowing robes in the religious, lo- the, the places of religion. And he came with a different message. The message of the Pharisees was begin with you. Good news begins with you. If you can just perform well enough, and if you can just obey consistently enough, and if you can just be right and do right at all times, then you're right with God. And yet John comes out of left field. He's in the wilderness, and he doesn't look like any of them. And he's preaching something different. He says, no, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's not good news. I mean, just think about it today. How much of our culture feeds us with just, just be more, do more, have more, and you'll feel right. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people I talk to and how many moments in my life I've looked in the mirror and I thought that I just wasn't sufficient because of the lies that culture feeds us, that somehow we don't measure up. And then John comes out of left field, out of the wilderness, and he says, eh, I, got a, I got a different way of maybe telling you something that comes from beyond me. Verse 7, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. See, can, can you hear what's happening here? All this attention is focused on John because this is what we do. We get so focused on the messenger and we make them the central piece. And John, after all these people have come to him, after all these people have been baptized, he turns around and he says, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm the pregame. I'm the pregame show. There is one who's coming on my heels who is much, much, much more powerful than I. But we get caught there, don't we? Don't we get caught? At John the Baptist, we see somebody who's amazing in some respect, or there's something in our lives that's amazing, and we love it, and we get something out of it, and and we stop, and we get caught there. This was the Galatian problem in the New Testament. They said, yeah, yeah, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. You know, follow Jesus, but don't forget the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. Make sure you live up to those, too. And Paul, when he wrote to the Galatians, he said, no, it's, it's Jesus plus nothing else. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's, that's a beginning right there. And we do it today, don't we? I mean, here in the history of this church, if you had asked me for years and years and years and years, what did God use to build the church? I mean, I'm biased, okay? We worked with the youth for years, and I would say that's what he used. He used the youth group, the youth group, the youth group, the youth group. And, and I would say that we, I'd even create, you know, there was a time I'd create a formula and say, you, you've got to have that, no matter what. For others of us, might be other things. You know, a choir has been a prominent part through the years at this church. And it's, it's been an incredible, incredible thing. See, a lot of times what we do, as I did with youth, is we can mix up good things and God things. And, and we can even hold up the God things above God, can't we? Style of music. 
the atmosphere that's created. Yes, those are welcoming things. Yes, those are things that God uses to touch our hearts. But we have to remember the one behind it. So let us not get caught up in the things that that are really, it's Jesus plus that. And let us come back to the heart of the Savior. Where does the good news begin? It is not the presence of maybe a certain person in your life. It is not the presence of, of a certain ministry in our lives. It's not the presence of the different things that we can so latch on to. And again, God can use all of them, but come back to the statement. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build it, and not even the gates of hell will overcome it. Which means he's got every right to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, at any stage. And we've got to remember that because we can get so distracted by the things next to Jesus instead of Jesus himself. It it reminds me actually of a a time, um, and this is for me. Many of you know Dave Beatty. He's, he's been here for years and years and years. And there was a time where the church was really, really struggling. And I remember we were on a staff retreat, and um, we said to him, Dave, you know what tells us the church is going to be okay? When we pull into the parking lot and your car is here. And, and I just thought, yeah, it just kind of helps you feel like, okay, somebody's got their eye on things. Somebody will figure it out. And you know what Dave said? Well, in that case... I'm just going to park my car here, and I'll have Lisa pick me up, and I'll just let you guys think that. (laughs) But it's so easy for our hearts to gravitate. And yet the good news that people need to know, it began in the heart of the Father and the incarnation of the Son. So you've got Father, and you've got Son, and now John the Baptist, as we continue to read, is going to point us to that third member of the Trinity. Listen to this. Verse 8. I baptize you. He's saying this to all the people. I baptize you with water. Now, you got to read that statement and know that that baptism was a thing that before the cross, baptism was a thing, obviously, as we're we're reading this. And baptism would would signify this, this repentance from sins. But see, Christian baptism on this side of the cross is really a participation in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when John says, I baptize you with water, he says, look, there's a greater baptism than this. Yes, there's a repentance piece. Yes, there's a turning from your ways. But that's just the beginning because this is is forward-looking and it's onward and it's upward and it's expansive. And so he says, but he... Jesus, the one who's coming on John's heels, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. See, I wonder as I read this. No, I don't wonder. I know. That good news for people is not pointed at ourselves. It's pointed at the heart of the Heavenly Father. The incarnation, the physical existence of the Son who came and died and rose again in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I bring that up is because of the the gospel that we're going to be in. And we're going to take this gospel in chunks. But when you think about Mark, 
You know, a lot of times we think of Mark and we think, okay, that's just a way of orienting us to where in the Bible we are. But if you were to read the story of John Mark, you know what you'd discover? You would discover a guy who's widely known for for the beginning of his, his walk in following Jesus, who's widely known for his immaturity. I mean, he was probably young when he began to follow, but he was impetuous, and he was immature. And sure, he was excited. I mean, that's just characteristic of young people. But, but as he began to follow Jesus, as he got excited, he was actually asked to serve. And he accompanied Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey. And no doubt, as any of us would be, he started off excited. And then something happened that we, know of, of, we don't know of anybody else in the New Testament that it happened with. Do you know what happened? John Mark, who started well, you know what he did in the middle of that journey? He abandoned him. He abandoned him. And while the New Testament doesn't speak to the specifics, you read about what Paul and Barnabas went through on that first missionary journey, and you probably have a pretty good idea of what happened. They run into hardship, and they run into persecution. And I can't help thinking about myself when I was a young man, that that the mere appearance of those things would be enough for me to run the other way. And so you have Mark, who was helper, he was excited, and then he abandoned. And he abandoned. And yet here's Mark. Mark gets to chronicle one of the gospel accounts of Jesus Christ. What happened? What happened there? And the only explanation I have is not that Mark suddenly became an incredible man and he found some self-help courses and he just made himself better and he just found his best life now. I don't think that's what it was. John just told us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, when the heart of the Father and the incarnation of the Son and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit are with you, what can you not overcome? And so Mark, as he wrote his gospel, you realize it was divine wisdom that had Mark writing this gospel. Because Mark is writing this letter to, to Christians in Rome. And it's widely thought that he was writing this around 64 to 68 AD. You, you want to know what was going on in Rome in 64 to 68 AD? Nero. Emperor Nero was having a heyday with Christians. As he looked around and it was filled with hatred and rage for the Christians. There was a fire that started in the city. And you know what Nero did? He said the Christians did it. And he induced just, just widespread rage against Christians. They were thrown in the arenas. They were burned at the stake. They were fed to wild beasts. He used them to light as torches to light the city at night. And so Mark is writing to Christians in Rome who are thinking about this persecution. And they're dealing with all this. And he's saying, look, it's not going to be enough to start with you. The world is not going to get good news from you being awesome and from you going through a bunch of self-help courses or whatever it is, all those things we think of, to say, I want to be better. He says, no, no, no. The beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the heart of the Father, the presence of the Son, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Do we have any... um, do we have any substitute teachers in here? 
Or have you ever, anybody in here ever worked as a substitute teacher? Okay, so we've got a few. Okay, so our children have been making this statement lately that I'm like, oh man, I made that statement when I was younger. They'll get up in the morning and you know what they'll say? I just heard this last week from our son. Dad, easy day today. Okay, if you're a substitute teacher, one, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm sorry to Lincoln because if he has you, now he's going to get it. But I used to say that as a kid. When I knew the teacher was going to be gone, I'd think, easy day. We're going to watch movies. You know, we're going to hang out. They're going to they're do whatever we want. Everything's going to be like by its democracy, you know, majority vote. Okay, it's going to be amazing. Easy day. And there's this unwritten rule that I came across for, for substitute teachers, but really I think it's an, an unwritten rule for, for our lives. That what kids are able to do to you as a substitute teacher depends on what they find within you. Okay? That means however you show up, if you show up needing approval, guess what? They're going to run all over you. Okay? But if there's some fortitude in there, you're going to stand your ground. Now, if I extrapolate that out from substitute teaching, I think, oh, man, (laughs) what this world does to us largely depends, no, completely depends on what it finds within us. And I believe that's what Mark's getting at here. And as you walk through the gospel of Mark, you'll see that there's a God who so had a heart to pursue people that he said, I'm willing to serve humanity and I'm willing to suffer. For humanity, for humanity, he is the suffering servant. That is the message of Mark's gospel. But along with that is one of discipleship. And so as we begin the book of Mark, could I propose a statement to start us off? That the good news of Jesus Christ doesn't begin with us. We begin with it. And if you get that right, then guess what? You've actually got a shot at going out these doors and beginning in the right spot with people. But if you don't, you're going to go out there and you're going to try to impress people and you're going to want approval and the world's going to look at you and you know what they're going to say? Easy day. Easy day. We've got somebody who's substituting themselves for themselves. But when the world runs into the heart of the Father that trusts the Son indwelled by the Holy Spirit? Well, guess what? Guess what? Good news begins to spread. And so let me just real quick overview where we're going with this. I don't mean we're going to dip in and dip out of Mark. I mean, we're going to go through every verse of Mark in the months to come. And yes, we're going to have some breaks here and there. But see, if you were to divide Mark into a few different sections, you know what you discover? The first section of Mark is really this proof of God's heart for people. I mean, you just do a survey of the people that Jesus goes to, and it becomes very, very clear nobody is exempt from the heart of God as he goes to them. And we'll take a little break right around Easter, and then as we jump back into the middle section of Mark, you know what you'll see? This is like when the disciples start trying. They start trying what Jesus is teaching them. And it's based on their own understanding. And you discover it's like, it's like all the ways not to do it. Okay, which would be very helpful for all of us. As I read it, I think, oh man, that's me. I mean, much of, much of Mark's gospel, they believe, was he was just writing down as fast as he could everything that Peter, the disciple, was telling him. Okay, and come on, you get to Peter in, in scripture and what do we do? 
We go, oh gosh, it's Peter again. And the reason we do that is because that's us. Okay, and so whether it's the disciples or the Pharisees, you've really got Jesus talking with them as they deal with people, saying, no, 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 that's not how we do it. No, 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 that's not how we do it. No, no, that's not how we do it. And then we move into the third section of Mark. And instead of teaching, so much of Mark is action. Sure, there are Jesus' words, but it's movement. He's doing things. As you just look at it through a literary lens, it is action in what he does. And that last portion of Mark is Jesus modeling for his disciples, modeling for you and I. This is how. God pursued people, and this is how you are to do it. And so, if you need help getting a hold of a Bible, please reach out to us here at the church. We tend to have a couple of those, okay? So we've got a few of them, but please, whether you, whether you grab a Bible, bring a Bible from home, yes, we have the screen, but, but there is something about interacting with the pages of the Bible or your Bible app. Like we said a couple months ago, you might need to Tap the app and let it download again because it's been a little while, okay? But join us as we walk through Mark and see the spread of good news so that we can go out these doors and do the same. So as the worship team comes up, let me close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, you are such a patient God. And when we read just that first section of Mark, we now gain better understanding. You know, there are times I look at you and I think, how can you be so patient with me, with with that dynamic, with this stuff going on in the world? And then I realize it, it flows from your heart from before time even began. You made a decision before any and all creation. You decided in your heart that you were going to pursue and be for people. And so as we move forward, Lord, remind us, remind us of your heart. First for us, so that we can turn and we can know that we can trust completely in your son. And Lord, baptize us. Baptize us with your Holy Spirit so that we can go out into the world and it would look at us and it wouldn't think easy day, but it could look at us and know it's up against you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, write these words on our hearts and as we continue through Mark 1 next week, We we pray that you'll just take these first eight verses and just illuminate them even more than they were in our hearts today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.